0: Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's fizz radio.
1: Another week, another fizz radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. Wow, we got a lot to talk about with Matt Bonaparte. I'm Jaren May. Uh, Matt's... Saturday morning, our final show here on The Score 1260. Some sad news. We are moving on, uh, but we do appreciate The Score for all of the great years. This is the final Fizz Radio episode that you will find on The Score 1260 on Saturday mornings, unfortunately. However, Fizz Radio is not dying. We will continue on. You can listen to our podcast every single week on our SoundCloud page just by searching at Orange Fizz on SoundCloud, or go follow us on Twitter, or check out our website orangefizz.net, because we make sure that we post all of our podcasts and audio content there as well. Uh, but Matt, with our final episode, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about hoops. We're going to Give our general thoughts on the men's basketball season so far because we are 10 games in and I know that you have some strong opinions. We'll also preview the Lehigh game coming up and then National Signing Day just happened for Syracuse football. We'll kind of recap all of that. We'll hand out our Fizzies, which are our end of the year awards because it is the giving season and of course get to fictional Fizz and Fizz Feedback. That's the rundown of the show. Let's hop right into things, Matt, with our general men's basketball thoughts, and Syracuse sitting at 5-5 five and five through the first 10 games, something that, at least in my opinion, is unacceptable if this team wants to move on and make, it, make a tournament
0: run. Well, especially because everybody thought they were going to be so good. I think that if you look back a couple months and look at the preseason rankings, a lot of voices around the college basketball landscape were saying this team was going to be one of uh, that surprises everybody and, and is able to beat just about anybody due to their great shooting, due to the talent that was coming in, namely Cole Swider, Benny Williams, Jimmy Bayheim. But those players really haven't been all that was advertised. Cole Swider has been downright terrible, and Benny Williams has not been there. So this team has definitely not exceeded expectations. They haven't come close to expectations, and 5-5 five and five is just unacceptable for the Orange faithful.
1: Now, specifically that Georgetown loss, I think, is kind of the stab in the heart because, yes, Colgate was horrible. You lose by 15 to a a, a, a really bad Colgate squad. That happens. However, you then go to Atlantis and you only go 1-2. and two. That's not what you're looking to do. But you can also kind of chalk that up. Hey, maybe that happens because the, the Atlantis field was really talented, but you can't lose to Georgetown. You just can't their wins and their schedule before that they were just had wins over American, Sienna, Longwood, Longwood and UMBC. So you were going up against a bad Georgetown team. you allowed them to come back in the second half and now Syracuse is looking like a really bottom of the tier ACC team that I, I mean Matt ACC's schedule is right around the corner. And you're thinking, let's say just Syracuse wins the next two games against Lehigh and Cornell, that puts them at seven and five. You're going to have to go 12 and eight in the ACC play to even have a chance. And then you're also going to need a pretty good run in the ACC tournament to get a resume good enough to make the NCAA tournament.
0: Well, I was thinking about this because if you look at the, the, the schedule that they have left, like you said, they've got to kind of romp the ACC and come in and beat the teams they're supposed to beat and beat the teams they're not supposed to beat. I think you're going to need to play Duke close at least once and probably beat them. Uh, you got to get a win against a team like UNC or another really strong team because the the, the, the the conference doesn't have a lot of strong teams to offer. I mean, they did uh, fortunately get that win over FSU, which will probably beat Quad 1 when it's all said and done, but... Those quad four losses, like you mentioned, Colgate and Georgetown hurt so, so badly because as the season goes along, those teams aren't getting any better. And Colgate has already shown us that losing to teams like Harvard. So Syracuse has put itself in a tough spot going into ACC play. When you schedule Colgate on on the schedule and Georgetown uh, at this caliber this season, you don't expect those to be losses. So Jim Beheim is definitely at the drawing board right now trying to pick out which wins uh, this team is going to need if they want a chance at the tournament.
1: This is Fizz Radio with Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte on the final edition on The Score 1260. Uh, Matt, I think the biggest and most glaring issue with this team, sure, they're not getting bench production, uh, but that has been talked about ad nauseum. What I'm really interested in is is the fact that this team, number one, cannot rebound, and number two, gives up so many threes. Now, of course, that happens with a zone, and that's kind of what you want. Uh, You want teams to shoot a lot of threes when you're playing a zone defense. However, they are in the bottom five of teams in three-point attempts per field goal attempts. Teams are shooting 51% of their shots are from beyond the arc. That is something that is kind of a product of the zone, but also a a trend that you just can't allow uh, it to continue because once you get into ACC play, if that trend continues, these ACC teams have lights-out shooters that will pick you apart, and then you're also giving up offensive rebounds.
0: Yeah, and as of late especially, the three-point defense has been... Uh, a conversation topic for years I mean you talk about the last few teams having not had the best defense compared to teams like 2010 or around that era where you had a really staunch defense and guards like Michael Carter Williams, Tyler Ennis, Brennan Trish uh, you could trust to be out there on the perimeter and stop that three-point shot but this year Syracuse's defense the zone is fine against the three I'll stand by that Uh, But this year especially, it's been terrible. 333rd out of 358 teams in terms of scoring defense. They're just terrible. I mean, they switched to the 1-1-3 in an attempt to to make it a little bit easier for the players, and I don't really think uh, it's made that much of an impact. I think, sure, you kind of had to because they could not play the 2-3 to save their lives. Uh, I mean, just look at the Colgate game for an example. You don't want the Raiders putting 100 on you inside the dome. Uh, But they're going to need to to fix something going forward because this defense isn't going to cut it, especially if the offense isn't going to be as advertised.
1: Fizz Radio, Jaron May, Matt Bonaparte. Matt, let's uh, switch over to a preview for Lehigh because Syracuse taking on Lehigh coming up uh, this Saturday. So if you're listening on the score 1260, it is today. If you're listening to the podcast version, it is coming up soon. Uh, Let me just say this. The Mountain Hawks, not good. Like, this should be a 20-point-plus blowout. Lehigh coming in at 1-8, and and they really don't do anything good. If you are a fan of Ken Palm, and you know how Ken Palm kind of, you know, grades things with colors, so red is bad, dark red is horrible, green is okay, like, a lighter green is the best— they're all red. It's just like you go on their page. It is just a sea of red. It doesn't even look like Christmas. It just looks like someone stabbed their page and they're bleeding out. The Mountain Hawks are Jeez. one of the worst teams in the Patriot League. I'm sorry. It's just true. Um, and probably one of the worst in the entire country. This should be an absolute blowout slaughter fest if Syracuse does what it should do.
0: Yeah, no, they're they're terrible. Uh, this is going to be... A tough one to argue if Syracuse loses because a one-win team in the Patriot League, I mean, they're just brutally bad, Jaron and you said it. I mean, it looks like a massacre on their Ken Palm page. They don't have a win uh, over anybody except Columbia, and Columbia really isn't all that hot. So Syracuse needs this one, and badly. It should be more than 20 points probably, but I think that this is a game where Syracuse fans should be looking for guys like Buddy Beheim, Cole Swider, Benny Williams to, to get things going. Benny Williams should probably get some minutes in this game, some real minutes because Lehigh's a terrible team. Uh, so the bench units should be getting some more time. Let's see what Beheim does there because this is your excuse not to have to play the starters for 40 minutes like you have. Give them a little bit of a rest uh, and going into that Cornell game, which should also be a win.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Does Jim Boeheim agree with you? That's a whole nother conversation because I would not be surprised if he did play the starters 32 minutes, uh, if not I wouldn't either. Yeah. Uh, Here's the thing, and and we'll kind of continue to preview Lehigh, but Matt, before we hopped on here, you said, you know, this seems it kind of just smells like one of those classic Syracuse coughs it up uh, in the non-conference and for some reason loses this game. I don't, I don't completely disagree with you. Like, I totally could see Syracuse just completely slipping up and for some reason losing to a really bad Lehigh team.
0: After the Colgate game, I think anything's on the table. I said that that is where you should start to panic if they lose that game. That's what I said on our last Fizz Radio. Uh, they lost that one. I think it was pretty warranted for everybody to start to panic. And then I also said that there's no way they lost to Georgetown because they're terrible. So... I'm going to stay away from predictions from now on, but uh, this should be a win, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, I I will say both Colgate and Georgetown are heads and shoulders uh, better than Lehigh. Uh, Big names to know for the Mountain Hawks. Evan Taylor is their go-to scorer, a guard, a junior out of Illinois, 6'6", 200. He's kind of a guard-forward combo, averaging 12 points per game, 6 rebounds per game, He can do pretty much everything. He's not the best three-point shooter, but he's not afraid to hoist from outside. And that's really where I think the difference in this game is. Lehigh doesn't shoot the three really well. 32.6% if you want to be specific. So if Syracuse continues the defensive trends that it has so far this year, which is just allowing teams to shoot from the outside... Uh, this should be a pretty beneficial game for them because Lehigh really doesn't have uh, a go-to deep threats and they don't really even like to shoot it from the outside very often as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, you talked to that, that Evan Taylor is their top score, the big name to know, I guess I don't really think any of these guys are especially special. Jamero Wilson, Marcus Wilson, neither. I mean, those are the two guys right behind Evan Taylor. All of them hovering around 12 points, 11 points per game. Nobody's too crazy on this team. Uh, I don't really expect anybody to come out against Syracuse and just start drilling threes. But again, you never do know. Um, And and teams like these are are games where you don't know who's going to come out. I mean, against uh, Colgate, I think we both thought it was going to be, or that was Lafayette. We both thought it was going to be one player and it was another that came out and was... uh, the leopards best player. so you never know with the mountain hawks either i think anybody could come out and, and be the problem for syracuse but you know they're gonna have to grind this one out and hopefully that those uh those bench players get some minutes for syracuse yeah
1: moral of the story this should be a blowout if it isn't there is something seriously wrong for syracuse all right that is our men's basketball talk here on fizz radio after the break we'll switch over to the football side of things and recap a not so busy national signing day Back here on Fizz Radio with Matt Bonaparte, I'm Jaron May on our final edition on the score 1260. uh, Matt, early National Signing Day just happened for Dino Baber's squad and let me tell you, there's not much to tell you. There just simply is not a lot to talk about. Only 13 signees in this class of 2022 so far. They do bring in one transfer, but I mean, it's underwhelming. They are 67th nationally, which is seven spots worse than last year. And last year's recruiting class wasn't even that good. And they're 13th in the ACC, which is dead even with what they were last year as well. That is second worst, only behind Virginia, which is a whole other conversation. Why Virginia isn't able to recruit right now is kind of baffling. Uh, but it doesn't matter. Let's stick with Syracuse. They have no four stars. They have 12 three stars and one Max von Marburg, which is a punter out of Australia, which I'm actually huge on, but we don't have to get into him. Uh, It's all just mediocre three-star guys that are coming in, which it doesn't really do anything for me.
0: Well, you'd think that after a season in which Syracuse has had its best running back in however many years they would try and go after players that could uh, appeal to that. And you could go after guys who maybe are higher than three stars and say, look, we can breed talent. But instead, they don't do that. And Dino Babers falls upon the same thing he's done since he's been at Syracuse and gone after three stars. Uh, Too much juice is what he would say, but I think it's too much Uh, Mm three-star. I just don't think that these guys are, are striking fear into anybody. 13th in the ACC, like you said, just brutal, uh, and Dino hasn't been above 10th, I believe, in the ACC since he's been with Syracuse, so not exactly what you want from a guy who's branded on his, his ability to recruit, but you do have to give him some credit because he was able to get a lot of talent out of a lot of three stars, uh, like that entire linebacking core this year, Stefan Thompson, Marlow Wax, Mike Jones, Cody Roscoe, a two-star transfer, Sean Tucker's a three-star, so there's a lot of talent on, on Syracuse's roster that is three-star talent, but At some point, you got to be looking higher than that, right?
1: Right. I I mean, I think they look that way. I just don't think that they have the recruiting pull that the other schools that are offering these four stars and higher. I I think the only four stars that are really interested in coming to Syracuse are defensive backs. You think about Deuce Chestnut last year. He was the only four star in the class of 2021. So why don't we see one of those here, though? I don't know. That's a great question they didn't they didn't get one of those this year. Uh it it's a little baffling, but that's that's what the situation is. Here's what stands out to me and we can kind of run through a couple of the players. Like Quint Allen is actually a pretty good prospect, um, a three-star running back, the highest rated uh recruit in this class of 2022 for Syracuse. Um running back out of New Jersey, he was the New Jersey Gatorade player of the year. He's solid. <clears throat> the thing with him though, is that he has the intangibles, like he can come out of the backfield and catch. Uh, he can also, he has crazy speed, he's strong. But what's worrisome is that he doesn't really break tackles. When you watch his tape, he goes down on the first hit, which is which is definitely a worry because, number one, Sean Tucker has just made his living off of breaking tackles. Um, and that's something that you need to have to be successful at the next level. And if you can't break tackles in high school... How do you expect to break tackles in a Power 5 conference like the ACC?
0: Yeah, he's not too big. Just 180 pounds compared to Sean Tucker, who's 210 pounds. I mean, a 30-pound difference right there. He might be pretty elusive, but in the ACC, that's not going to win you every single battle on the gridiron. So, LeQuint Allen, while you're right, I think he is going to end up being the best player in this class. He's probably not going to be as good as Sean Tucker is. I think that would be an absurd claim. No. Uh, And I don't think you are making that claim, but... If Syracuse wants to plug that hole, LaQuint Allen is a solution, maybe not the best one. Uh, But looking down the rest of the class, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I I will say LaQuint Allen plus Josh Huff, which Syracuse brought in last year, um, the running back position is not that worrisome for me, because especially Sean Tucker still has three years of eligibility. But I do think Allen and Huff could be the, you know, number two and number three and and be solid second and third uh, chances for Syracuse.
0: Sure. Um, but looking down the rest of the class, what I wanted to see coming into today for Syracuse was more than one wide receiver coming in. Only Donovan Brown uh, yeah. fills the wide receiver spot for Syracuse. He's not a highly rated recruit, like we've said, and Syracuse needs him. With Taj Harris out the door and a very, very thin room with guys like Aronde Gadson being the most exciting young player, There's an issue at Syracuse with a guy who can't throw the football and nobody who can really catch it. If if Damian Alford and Courtney Jackson are going to be your number one and number two next year, there's going to be, that's a huge problem. I mean, just a gigantic problem. So Syracuse is going to have to look to the transfer portal and try and get some more talent at the wide receiver position because it's just not going to cut it having this kind of guys.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree with you. You need someone better now Donovan Brown's three-star out of Maryland. He's 6'3". That's what's intriguing to me. He does have some height. He'll add some strength, and he does have good hands watching his tape, Um, and he's super fast. I mean, he was a track star in high school as well, so that helps. Now, can he create separation? That's the question. Can he do that against ACC-level defensive backs? Only time will tell. You can't really answer those questions right now. The thing with you know recruiting wide receivers or trying to pull in a wide receiver through the transfer portal, it's difficult because you've now branded yourself as a running school. I, you are a running offense now with Sean Tucker and Garrett Schrader. And if Garrett Schrader is still your starting quarterback, which all signs point to that, if I'm a if I'm a wide receiver in the transfer portal and Dino Babers calls me and says, "Hey, come to Syracuse," why? I mean, wide receivers are transferring out. Tight ends are transferring out, and no personnel has changed. You're you're the same offense, so I don't really understand why any wide receivers would come to Syracuse.
0: Yeah, it's I don't a, really see it's it. an issue. I, yeah, I mean it absolutely is an issue because you can't build success just running the football. I mean it's just not going to happen in the ACC uh Syracuse had their only success under Babers when they had a big arm and that was Eric Dungey in 2018 who had the heart hustle and the arm to just will the team to wins Garrett Trader, I think might have that same heart but doesn't have the same talent that Dungy had uh and I think that's pr- pretty uh, a difficult thing to to equate but you can't win football games a- and build a program based on running the football and running the football only I think you hit the nail on the head, Jaren. They're going to have a huge problem with Schrader and, and no wide receiver room. And like you said, Luke Benson's gone. He's at Georgia Tech now. I don't know if he's going to get more targets there. He probably thinks so. But with a new offensive coordinator coming in, I think Syracuse is going to cater more towards the run because that's what their where their success lies. Uh, and that could be a huge problem going forward. Right.
1: This is Fizz Radio with Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May. Uh, Matt, continuing on with recapping the early national signing day for Syracuse football, I want to go to a guy that doesn't jump off the page because he is the lowest rated recruit other than unrated Australian punter Max von Marburg, Joe Cruz. And I don't really care about what he does on the field. I don't think he's going to be anything special. I don't really want to talk about that. The fact that I'm bringing up Cruz is because he's from the state of New York. If you scroll up and down this 24/7 website with me, Matt, do you see any other New York players? I do not. I don't either. I mean, year in and year out, it's talked about. And it year in and year out, it's never fixed. You are losing. Dino Babers cannot recruit New York. Now, there was only the highest rated recruit in the state of New York was just a 4-star, so it's not like The Empire State is overflowing with talent, especially this season, but I don't really care. Like, I don't care if you're pulling in two stars or unranked guys. You should be keeping the talent grown here in state, especially as the largest school in state and the largest football program. You're a power five school, the only one in the state of New York, and you still cannot recruit in your backyard. It's an issue. I I don't know how else to describe it.
0: There is no other way to describe it. I mean, it's just ineptitude. Uh, and Babers is going to get hounded on it until the day that he's gone because if you want to success, have success in upstate New York, you got to recruit your state. And nobody else does it as poorly as Babers does it because he, I don't know why he does it. He just doesn't do it. He goes down to Florida, South Carolina, Georgia. He'll even go to New Jersey, but he stays out of New York. I don't know why.
1: I don't get it. I don't get it, Matt. I don't. All right. uh, Before we hit a quick break, though, we got to get to the defensive side of things. Uh, What I really, you know, lean towards uh, as the big takeaway on the defensive side of this class of 2022 is your defensive backs right now on the Syracuse roster are pretty good. I I think that's the strength. There are a lot of solid linebackers as well. And I think you'll be fine in both the linebacker and the defensive back categories For at least another year, if not two. What's really worrisome next season is that defensive line because all of the guys were either seniors, fifth years, sixth years. Very few defensive linemen are coming back to Syracuse, and you just didn't really fill that void this year. You got two defensive linemen in Dennis Jaquez. Uh, who's coming out of New Jersey, again, another three-star. And then your only other defensive lineman is Belazaire Bassett, and he's also a very low-rated three-star guy. They didn't really address the biggest need on the defensive side of the ball, which is, again, another worrisome issue with this recruiting class.
0: And something that, similar to how I talked about, they they don't get guys based on their success in the running game, they were incredible on the defensive line this year. Yeah, unlike they were for the past few years. Cody Roscoe was an absolute animal for Syracuse, and he he showed success that we haven't seen since Alden Robinson was there. So I don't understand it. You really try got to try and build off of that if you're going to build any kind of success at Syracuse, uh, because it doesn't really come all that often. A guy like Roscoe who just comes up out of nowhere and puts up the stats that he did so. That's another miss for Syracuse. You've got to be able to go out and recruit at that position because like you said, Jaron, it's thin and it's only getting thinner.
1: All right, that's your recap of early National Signing Day. There is another one later in a couple months. We'll see if Syracuse can nab a couple more high school recruits in the class of 2022 or my biggest takeaway is this class is underwhelming and you need to go to the transfer portal because if not... I don't know how this program is going to look next year. All right, uh, after the break on Fizz Radio, we are going to the Fizzies. We're going to hand out some end-of-the-year awards. Don't go anywhere. Fizz Radio continues on, Jaron May, Matt Bonaparte on our final edition on the Score 1260, but Fizz Radio will continue in a podcast version, and we got a couple more things in the works that we will be sure to update you on as uh, we get more information. So, Matt, it's time. It is time for the Fizzies. Now, these are our annual end-of-the-year awards because it's the giving season, It's almost the end of 2021, so Matt, let's hand out the fizzies. Uh, We have four different categories. Each of us will hand out an award in each category. Uh, We'll start with best male athlete, and this is not only for the current school year, but also the entire year of 2021. Uh, So who is your best male
0: athlete of 2021
1: of any sport on campus?
0: I think it's got to be Sean Tucker. I don't really see how you could go anywhere else. Sean Tucker kind of brought back uh, the meaning of a running back at Syracuse. He's the only guy in a while that people really wanted to be wearing number 44. He broke a couple records. He was just an insane human being uh, and a really, really great football player.
1: Yeah, I I really like Tucker. i really agree with you that he should win it however i'm gonna go a little contrary to you and go with buddy Bayheim or aka buddy buckets last year averaging 25 in the postseason leading his team to a cinderella sweet 16 run also averaging you know 18 points per game in the regular season uh putting the team on his back earning preseason all acc honors This year, now, he did have a couple trip-up games as of recent. So, you know, some people might be using recency bias to go against me. But Buddy has been fantastic. He's a clear number one. And some people forget that this guy used to be a 300-plus recruit. No one wanted him out of high school. And he's turned into one of the best players in the entire ACC and in the entire country. Uh, I've been astonished with what Buddy has done in 2021. So I'm giving my fizzy for best male athletes to Buddy Boeheim. Um, All right, fizzy number two, Matt,
0: best female athletes on campus. Who you got? Mine goes to a distance runner, Amanda Vestry. Jaron, I bet you weren't expecting that. Uh, <laughs> she was absolutely sensational in 2021. A TFCCCA second team All-American in 2021 Northeast Regional champ. She was an ACC champ at the 5,000 indoors. She was an absolute legend for Syracuse. Kind of following in the footsteps, literally, of Justin Knight. You got to love Amanda Vestry keeping SU track and field going strong.
1: Yeah. Vestry was really, really good. And I think someone that not a lot of people know about, because I don't think a lot of people follow the cross country team, which is honestly kind of sad because She was the best athlete, not only at Syracuse, but the ACC and what she specifically does. So I like that shout. Vestry, that's a a good one. I'm going to go mainstream, and I'm going to go to the Syracuse women's lacrosse team. Uh, Megan Tyrell, the All-American Megan Tyrell, because... You have Emily harris that goes down with an injury just, I think, two games into the season. Then you have Megan Carney, the other number one option, go down. So it was all on the shoulders of Megan Tyrell. She leads her team to the national championship. She also puts up a team-high 68 goals, 44 assists, 112 points, which is now in the top 10, all three categories, in the top 10 of the Syracuse program record books. She also had a seven-goal performance in the NCAA tournament quarterfinals. Uh, Megan Tyrell was a freak this year and stepped up in a massive way for SU Women's Lacks when they needed her most. So my fizzy for best female athlete goes to Megan Tyrell. Um, All right, we continue on here on Fizz Radio as we are handing out our end-of-the-year awards called the Fizzies uh, Matt, let's go to best moments of 2021. What do you got?
0: Best moment for me has got to be down at Carter-Finley Stadium. Sean Tucker breaking Joe Morris's SU single-season rushing record. I think it's really, really special that a guy playing uh, at running back for Syracuse in 2021 uh, can hold such a record. When you have names like Ernie Davis, Floyd Little, Jim Brown, Larry Zonka, Joe Morris, Walter Reyes, so many great running backs in the backfield for Syracuse over the years. Sean Tucker can come above them all for this record, and I just think that's incredibly special. He said he doesn't want to wear number 44 anymore. I think everybody in the Orange Faithful would still love to see it, but Sean, it's your decision. I think the SU Faithful is in love with Sean Tucker, and I think that this moment was huge this year.
1: Yeah, definitely pleased with his performance with that one. Uh, good shout with that the, for best moment. I'll go over to something that didn't really happen during game action. And I actually have two if you'll allow me to hand out two fizzies. Is that okay, Matt? All out. All out. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, one fizzy goes to Gary Gates and kind of John Wildhack for hiring Gary Gates. Uh, longtime coach. Um, of Syracuse women's lacrosse gets moved over to the men's lacrosse side of things. And it's going to revolutionize the men's lacrosse program because they haven't won a national championship in a while. They are the most storied program across the entire country. And Gary Gate coming in, the best player of all time, not only at SU, but the history of the sport he comes in is going to revamp a offense that desperately needs it and also just a team that desperately needs it and he brings in Dave Petramala the probably a top 5 defender of all time in the sport of lacrosse that recruiting pull is unmatched unrivaled across the country so Gary Gate getting hired is a fantastic job from uh John Wildhack so John Wildhack and Gary Gate you guys get the fizzy I have another fizzy to hand out for best moment of 2021 though Matt and it just popped in my head and I don't know why we didn't think of this earlier but how about Felicia get Jack getting her number retired in the rafters first female to have her number retired in the dome for Syracuse Athletics
0: that was second on my list that's actually a really really good one
1: yeah right a big moment for Felicia Leggett-Jack, a big moment for all of the female athletes that have come through Syracuse University, uh, and they're also doing a couple more jersey retirements for past female athletes uh, coming up in 2022. So that's that's massive. That is a long time coming. That should have been done years ago, but finally it's happening, uh, and it should be. So those are our best moments of 2021. We have one last fizzy each to hand out, and it goes to the best team on campus for 2021. Matt, which team is most deserving?
0: I'm going to leave you women's lacrosse, Jaron, because I Ooh, know that you're okay. you just love women's lacrosse. It's the <laughs> right answer. It's an objective thing. They made it the furthest from any team. It should be women's lacrosse, but for the sake of parity, I'll go elsewhere and I'll uh, I'll I'll award the Syracuse men's basketball team for going all the way to the Sweet 16 in the NCAA Tournament. What a fun run to watch. Nobody thought they were going to get in, and then they do right at the end of the year. Nobody thought they were going to beat San Diego State. They stomp them, then they beat Bob Huggins, and then they lose to Houston. But it was a lot of fun for Syracuse fans who, of course, made the trip out to Indiana and whoever watched at home. So best team, besides women's lacrosse, was the Syracuse men's basketball team.
1: And I bet it was a lot of fun for you too. Fizz and Indy, right? Yes, sir. Oh, fizz, yeah. and indie, Meantime, baby. fizz and Indy big. Fizz and Indy. Uh I'll also, so he kind of gave mine away. It's the women's lacrosse team. They made it to the national championship. They did it without their number one and number two offensive options. Again, Megan Tyrell stepping up big time. A lot of other players, you think about Emma Ward coming in as a freshman, uh, the younger Emma Tyrell also stepping up. And then Asa Goldstock in that defense was just uh was remarkable to watch. So that women's lacrosse team gets the fizzy for at least my fizzy for uh, best team on campus. But I will give an honorable mention, a quick shout out to the Syracuse field hockey team because going into the season, they were predicted to finish dead last in the ACC However, they make it to the ACC semifinals. They make it to the NCAA quarterfinals, and they had five All-Americans, plus the coaching staff was named Regional Coaching Staff of the Year. Uh, They surpassed a lot of expectations. So the honorary mention for the fizzy goes to the Syracuse field hockey team as well. Um, Okay, there we go. Those are our fizzies as the giving season continues and 2021 wraps up. After the break, we got fictional fizz and fizz feedback to wrap up our fizz radio. Don't go anywhere. Wrapping up shop here on fizz radio with Matt Bonaparte. I'm Jared May. This is our final episode on the score 1260. If you're just now joining us, unfortunately, we will not be continuing on here on the score at 1260, but we do appreciate all the great years with this station. We will continue to do Fizz Radio just in a podcast version, and hopefully we do have some other things in the works, and we'll be sure to share that once we get some things confirmed. But, Matt, we got to wrap things up with our favorite segments of the show, Fictional Fizz, Fizz Feedback. Let's start with Fictional Fizz, and this is where we create... Fictional betting lines about anything, really anything. Uh, This time it's going to be about Syracuse's game against Lehigh specifically. I'll create the line. You got to give me either over or under. Uh, I know you know how to do this, so let's just hop right into things. Uh, (laughs) Let's do over or under 13 and a half minutes played for Benny Williams against Lehigh.
0: I'm going to take the over because I hope that it's the over. Um, not because I think it will be, I don't really know what Bayheim plans to do. I could kind of see it going either way. I could see this game being closer than everybody would like and, uh, Benny not getting a lot of time, or I can see it being a 60 point game like BC was last year, uh, and Benny getting 20 minutes. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the over on that because I think that Benny deserves it because I think me as well as everybody else would like to see him get some time to see what we can, he can really do with some real minutes.
1: Benny is averaging 13 minutes per game. However, in the last three games against Georgetown, he had four minutes, Villanova three minutes, and Florida State two minutes. So I don't really know if I like the over. I kind of will take the under at just like 10 to 12 minutes played. I don't think he sees much more. I'm with you that I hope it's more, but just knowing Jim Beheim and knowing the trends of, that is specifically as of recent for Benny, I don't see him with 14 or more minutes uh, unless this game is just like a 50 point game at halftime uh okay we continue on on fictional fizz let's go to the offensive boards matt over or under 11 and a half offensive rebounds allowed by syracuse and snatched up
0: by lehigh that's a pretty good one um i think it's tough because lehigh stinks So (laughs) you can't really equate it to Villanova and Georgetown who just gobbled up rebounds. I'd like to take the under here, um, but looking on past trends, one might take the over. But I think that you got to have some faith that Syracuse will be able to box out against the, the Mountain Hawks. Georgetown had eight offensive
1: rebounds. Villanova, obviously, the big number 27. Before that, Florida State 12, Indiana 14, Auburn 11, Arizona State 12. It's really right around, always hovering around that 11.5 mark. Uh, I will take the over. I, just, I know Lehigh doesn't have that much size. It just seems like Syracuse is always shooting itself in its foot. Um, so I'll take the over of eleven and a half offensive rebounds allowed from Syracuse. Uh our last line here on fictional fizz, over or under 3 a half three-pointers attempted for Lehigh. Ooh. Uh
0: that's tough. I now think that...
1: let me let me help you out here, Matt. Uh Syracuse on average, its opponents are shooting thirty-three point one threes a game against the orange So the line again is 28 and three-pointers attempted uh for Lehigh and Syracuse's opponents are
0: averaging 33.1. I think I'll take oh this is tough because Lehigh doesn't they, they shoot threes never they haven't shot up there all season long. They've shot at least 10 threes a game. Or excuse me, I'm looking at the wrong one. But they do they do shoot. I'm going to take the over. I think cuz Yeah, I think I'm going to take the over here because I think just about everybody has written the book on how to play Syracuse, and it's just to shoot threes, so I'll say that that three number is going to be up in the 30s.
1: Yeah, I'll also take the over. I don't think it's uh, by much, though. I think it's you know 29 or 30 because, like you said, Lehigh doesn't like to shoot a lot of threes, Um, but... It's just the only thing you can do against this 2-3 zone, or I guess this new 1-1-3 one, one, zone. And especially if you don't have the size, which Lehigh doesn't, they're going to have to rely on the outside even more than what some teams do. Now, I don't predict them being like Villanova that just hoists up 50, but I do think it'll be just over 28.5, even though... They don't like to shoot that many threes. Uh, Again, this is Fizz Radio. Jared May, Matt Bonaparte. We just wrapped up Fictional Fizz. Matt, let's wrap up the show with Fizz Feedback. This is where we post some polls on our Twitter page. Make sure you go follow us at Orange Fizz. And we ask for your feedback on a couple different uh, topics in the Syracuse sports sphere. We'll start with this one, Matt. What Syracuse signee from early National Signing Day are you most excited to watch? LaQuint Allen, Dom Foster, Dennis Jaquez, or Donovan Brown?
0: Your answer? Uh, I think I'll either... I think I kind of want to go Dennis Jaquez, but I'm going to go LaQuint Allen just because I think that you have to have the most faith in Syracuse at the running back position now that, that Tucker's done what he's done. So I'll go with Allen.
1: Okay. All right. I also like Allen because... If he can replicate what Sean Tucker's doing, I don't think he's as good of a prospect. But uh, Tucker also wasn't a massive prospect coming out of high school either. So maybe Allen can carry on the legacy of Sean Tucker. couple replies to this one. Paul Ruff saying none because they will just transfer out at one point or another. Solid point from uh, Mr. Ruff. Can't really argue with that one. Robert Becker also saying bazette. Um, that's, I'm assuming he's referring to Bissettes, not Bazettes, but okay. Um, and then Marty Cobell wants to know why did we sign a QB? Well, we didn't sign a QB, Marty. Um, they did not recruit a quarterback in this class. I don't think it's the end of the world because they do have a couple young options with a lot of eligibility left. So it's not the end of the world there. Okay, we continue on here on Fizz Feedback. How pleased are you with Syracuse's early National Signing Day performance? One to three, four to five, six to eight, or nine to ten, Matt.
0: I'm um, one to three on this. I think it's very, very disappointing uh, because I mean, just brutal, just brutal from Syracuse. Don't plug the holes that they needed to plug. Yeah, I also went one to three. This uh,
1: this recruiting class just did not answer anything for me. Last one. Who needs to step up more for Syracuse basketball as we approach conference play? Joe Girard, Buddy Beheim, Cole Swider, or Benny Williams?
0: Only answer is Buddy Beheim. The guy has not had it as of late, and he's got to turn it on if Syracuse is going to make it to the tournament. That's
1: the go-to answer that also wins the poll. 41% uh, voting for Buddy Beheim. I said Benny Williams because you need some more help coming off that bench. All right, that's going to do it for Fictional Fizz. That's going to do it for Fizz Radio and our final edition on The Score 1260. Again, thanks so much to everyone at The Score 1260 for having us for the past couple years. Make sure you continue to follow all of our Fizz content at orangefizz.net, and you can find our Fizz Radio every single week on our SoundCloud page by searching Orange Fizz. But for Matt Bonaparte, I'm Jaren May signing off.
0: Everyone, have a great day.